It is truly an honor and a privilege, and I've never had anybody sign up to give me meals. Um, I'm just coming from the Grace Conference where we ate like kings. It was, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And I've got my oatmeal, I've got my peanut butter, I'm set. So, and I've got a whole bunch of croutons, too. We get, uh, we get Panera bread at our church, and, and whoever doesn't take it at the end, instead of throwing it away, my wife makes croutons, so i got plenty. So we're good for food. What I'd really like is somebody to sign up to, to go to a park. I've got these airplanes. We could shoot them over the church easily. And you shoot, start shooting them around. Uh, kids, it attracts kids. And we could give them flyers for VBS and invite them to, v, uh, to, to Vacation Bible School, God's Detectives. And I just want to be a blessing to Madison these next four or five days. You know, I just want to do what I can to help you share the gospel message with whoever will listen. Um, last week I was in Woodville, Wisconsin, and spoke on Sunday, and then we did spoke Monday, Tuesday at VBS. And during the day I biked around town and, you know, looked for trampolines and basketball hoops, and I uh, put flyers in the doors, and, and then I did the whole town. It's not only, what, 1,300 or something, 1,400. And then the next day I went, he said, well, you can go to Baldwin, which was four miles away. And so I did that in the morning, handed out, I don't know, lots of them. And I was well, just really a nice town. I'm just biking around, and I saw the Baldwin Bulletin. And so I went in there, and I asked, uh, um, do you guys take suggestions for stories? And the, the editor says, yeah, yeah well, what do you got? And I said, when's the last time you did a, a story on creation versus evolution? And he said, well, it's been a while. And uh, he said, do you got... Um, he asked a few questions, and he said, well, do you got kids in the school? And I said, well, they're graduated, but I pay taxes, and I'd like to see it go to education instead of indoctrination. And uh, so who knows? Hopefully that discussion starts taking place there, because if the discussion starts, uh, we'll win. We'll win. Uh, I'd like to see a lot more debates, a lot more clubs. And so that's kind of where um, what, what I was doing last week. And that's what I'd like to do this week, so if anybody has time. And uh, I encourage you to look at your free time these next few days and just ask, will this matter in 100 years? And if the answer is no, don't do it. And just keep thinking about what's going to matter in 100 years. And the only thing that matters is, are you in heaven and who's there with you? And just uh, do what you can to get people to VBS. And I'm so excited about this, this event because we're going to teach kids how to think like a detective. You know, they're going to learn how to figure out what's true by asking questions like a detective. And there's, I spend a lot of time on campus, and when I meet somebody who doesn't believe in God, and I say, well, if there's no God, how did life begin? They can't answer that. So they have just as much, they have more faith than I do. And... Uh, and this talk will kind of explain what I do, and it'll explain um, some, of the, some of the topics that are important that we're going to teach the kids. And these detectives, we've got four cases, four or five cases we're working on. Where did everything come from? Uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg? If God's good, why do bad things happen? And they're all, you know, everybody points to the Garden of Eden, right? But, you know, sometimes we're just stupid and we make bad decisions. You know, my wife says, uh, why do bad things happen? She goes, because we're sinners. You know, we don't trust and obey. We, do, we walk outside of God's will, and bad things happen, and that's not God's fault. And then the main thing, oh, and could God use evolution to make the world? There's a lot of confusion on that at so-called Christian colleges and churches and seminaries. And uh, the last one they're working on is, are you going to heaven? 
So we're going to investigate all those things. And we're going to have a ball. And so I encourage, you know, instead of making me a meal, you know, get involved with VBS. You know, let's get involved in reaching the kids because that's what really is going to matter. And, and it, it, the, the, the results are devastating when we think of what's happening to our kids. Statistics show that not, 67 to 90% of our kids stop believing in God, stop going to church once they leave home. And the millennials, it's even worse. 43% of millennials, well, don't know, don't care, don't believe God exists. That's, that's alarming. And Ken Hammer wrote a book on it called Already Gone. And kids stop believing, or they, they leave the church mainly because they don't believe it's true. And they began to doubt the Bible was true in junior high and high school. And that's exactly when they're being taught the Big Bang and evolution. And it's being taught as dogma. They can't question it. They can't talk about intelligent design or creation. And, and that's not education. Yes. That's indoctrination. When you, when you only show one side, you need, you need to see both sides to think about something. If they're only given one side, that's, edu- that's indoctrination. And that's how you brainwash people. I looked up brainwashed in the dictionary to be so thoroughly indoctrinated that your beliefs and behaviors change. Okay, and that's, that's has, has America been brainwashed? Have, has our beliefs and behaviors changed? Yes. Dramatically. And I'm thinking if we can restore the foundation for our country back on God's word, we can turn this ship around. But it's, it's going to take a lot, of, uh, a lot of effort, but the effort's worth putting in. Uh, and the kids are so confused. I was talking to a, a woman at the community college, and she said, either it was her niece or her daughter, was going through confirmation. And she asked the priest about dinosaurs. And I thought, oh, this will be good. And so I asked, what did he say? And she said, I don't remember. But whatever he said, it didn't make her happy. It was pretty much just believe it because I said so, which is a horrible answer. You know, be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks that the reason and the hope that's in you, First Peter 3.15. That's what's on my cards. And, and questions that aren't answered properly don't go away. And that poor kid, she asked a good question, and we should have the answers. You know, dinosaurs, fossils, carbon dating, we should have answers for that. But she didn't get a good answer, and so she came to a bad conclusion. She concluded that either Adam and Eve are true, or either Adam and Eve are false, or dinosaurs are false. And how, and how can dinosaurs be false? you got bones of them all over the place, in all the continents, all the museums, a lot of museums. And I looked at the woman and I said, your daughter, her niece, is getting real close to kicking the Bible out of her life for the rest of her life. And I said, Adam and Eve are true, and dinosaurs are true. The thing that's false is millions of years. Right? And so... And so... When, and then I plugged her into my YouTube channel. I've got a bunch of talks on YouTube. My ministry is called Solidify Your Faith. And check that out. Uh, I grab a card. I've got a new website where you can listen to radio interviews. You can hear, 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 see pictures. And the kids need to know what's true. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to do with Vacation Bible School. Don't be surprised if your kids come home with something like this and starts asking a bunch of questions. You know, where'd the dog come from? Where'd the tree come from? Where'd the car come from? Where'd the moon come from? And then use that as an opportunity to point them to God. And, uh, you know, for example, you know, where'd the microphone come from? It came from a store. Where'd the store get it from? A factory. Where'd the factory get it from? Well, people made it from in the factory. And where did people come from? And that's the key question. Where did people come from? 
And that's not a science question. Science is observation and testing. Can we observe and test where people came from? No. It's a belief system of the past. It's a history question. And this is the history book of the universe. It tells us where everything came from. So where did Adam and Eve come from? Or people come from? Adam and Eve. And where do they come from? God. And God didn't come from anywhere because he's always been there. You know, and sit down with your kids and open up the Bible and, and show them what God did. And people will say, well, there's contradictions. In Genesis 1, you got plants before people. In Genesis 2, you got people before plants. Contradiction. No, it's just keep in mind that Genesis 2 is just a more detailed account of day 6. And it's describing mainly what happened in the garden. There's no contradiction. And then in Matthew 19, Jesus quotes directly from Genesis 1 and 2 when he's talking about marriage. And in Mark chapter 10, he does the same thing. Starting in verse 6, he says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now, these are Jesus' words. So Jesus was a creationist. And the beginning of creation is not millions or billions of years later. So he's not an evolutionist. And Jesus is our example. And he always referred to Genesis as an accurate historical event. And if we're not referring to Genesis, if we're as an accurate historical event, if we're saying it's a word picture, an analogy, or a framework, or who knows what, um, we're not following the example of Jesus. And that's a real, 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 uh, real thin ice there. And so we need to teach the kids that we came from Adam and Eve, came from God, the hand of God. And because are they going to learn that in our government textbooks? Not a chance. I've gone through these. These are 8th grade earth, earth science, 10th grade biology, state university uh, textbooks. And no, they're, gonna, they're not going to give God the glory. So where do they say people came from? Ape-like ancestors. And where do they come from? And just follow it down, and it comes down, you get mammals, and then fish, and then it came from ape-like ancestors, or came from a single living cell. So rule number one is if they're making an astounding claim, such as we have the same ancestor as cockroaches and cucumbers, they better have astounding evidence. Do they have astounding evidence? No. Do they, do they have any evidence? No. It's a belief system about the past. And so do those textbooks have the fear of the Lord? You know, the fear of the Lord? Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So those textbooks do not have the fear of the Lord. And I took this picture at a library. Who knows where I took this picture? Raise your hand. Okay, we got one person who knows. Who thinks I took this at the University of Wisconsin's library in Madison? <laughs> Don't think so, huh? How about the, the public school library? No, no. So keep in mind, they're getting a godless education. And the hard thing for me was, you mean the encyclopedias are wrong? You mean the textbooks are wrong? Yeah, well, they're from a godless perspective. If they don't honor God, they're going to do a whole bunch of mental gymnastics, and we'll get to a few of them. And so, uh, oh, is, oh, is there anybody looking for college? I took this, by the way, at Pensacola Christian College. Yeah. Yeah, so you did spend time in the library. Well, that's a good thing. Yeah, it's on the wall, right by the steps. Beautiful comp campus. Is there anybody looking, thinking they might go to college someday? Anybody? I highly recommend it. Room, board, and tuition now is $11,000 per year. Okay? And you can work through over the summer and pay off a semester. And, and now they get, if you go three years, the fourth year is free. So 80-some percent of the college kids graduate debt-free. And so just something to consider because a college is a big choice. Um, you know, and, and so 
in Psalm 1.1, it tells us, gives us guidelines on how to have a blessed life. Anybody work with RU? They read it every week, right? Yeah, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth at the seat of the scornful. And then it goes, but he doth meditate on the law day and night. Okay, he doth meditate. And so are you going to meditate on the word of the Lord at a state university? No, your general eds are going to be social programming. You're going to do papers like environmental race, environmental racism, and um, yeah, the guys said, "Well, how do I do that?" I talked to a lot of college kids, and or racial equity stuff like that. Where if you go to a place like PCC, you're going to have the life of David, the life of Jesus, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, origins. So you can meditate on the Word of God, and they'll have and you, the Word of God will just flood you. Okay, and, uh, and so when you're talking to people, oh, let's unpack this a little bit. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that's obviously people. Don't, walk with, don't let ungodly people influence you. But it's also ideas, you know, ungodly internet and movies and music and even substances, alcohol, drugs, you know, don't walk with that. I was given a talk at the Riverfront Rescue Missions. Did you ever do a mission over there? Um, but I was given the talk, and I said, it's better to have no friends than wrong friends. And they said, amen, that's right. You know, I said that to a homeless person the other last month, too. And it's like, they didn't dispute it. And so be careful what's going in the eyes and the ears and the body, yes. nor standeth in the way of sinners. It's like, who are you hanging around with? They're going to bring you up or they're going to bring you down. And they teach them in RU, those who don't love God aren't going to help you serve God. And nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, you could make an argument that's talking about education. You're sitting in there, and what's that teacher saying? Is he pointing, to, pointing you to God? Is he honoring God? And if he's not, you've got to really take that information with a grain of salt and filter it through the Bible before you, before you believe it. And, and the, but there's people, they say they believe in God, but they don't believe what God said. You know, they're going to say, couldn't each day be millions of years? They'll say, well, then there a big gap and all that. And we're going to touch on that on Wednesday, I believe. And again, we're going to talk about how bad things happen in the world. You know, why do bad things happen? You know, it's because we're sinners. We don't do what God says a lot of times. And we're going to show the kids that uh, there were giants in the earth. There were giants in the earth last century. This is Robert Wadlow from Old Neal, Illinois. And he was age 22. He never stopped growing. Eight foot 11. 490 pounds. He was the world, world's, world's largest Boy Scout at seven foot four. When he was like five, he was as big as his school teacher, you know, and it's bigger than his dad. And then we're going to talk about, are you going to heaven or not? There's a lot of confusion out there, and we're going to tell them what the Bible says. So, again, my ministry is solidify your faith. I like to go around and unbrainwash people. And uh, I've that's the website, solidifyyourfaith.webs.com. I've given creation talks from here to Florida, and we talked about that. And it's interesting on campus, you know. Um, let's see. Yeah, it's interesting on campus because there's a lot of ideas there, and they're supposed to be tolerant and diverse. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they are not. And so I've given creation talks from here to Florida at churches, schools, colleges, camps. Even the Rotary Club had me speak. And so I squeezed a two-hour talk on the hydroplate theory into 20 minutes. And that's the best flood model I can find. And it makes accurate predictions. It explains 25 confounding things. And it's really good. 
I thought about giving that talk, but you can go into my website and you can check that out. And, uh, and it's really fun giving those talks, especially on campus, especially when the atheists are there. Yeah, because there was a couple of times when they just yelled and stormed out of the stormed out of the place because they didn't like what I was like what I was teaching. And the first one was at this talk. You know, once upon a time, nothing exploded and turned into people. And are you being brainwashed? And this was the talk. These posters were all over the campus, the flyers and stuff. And I talk about government, education, religion, society, media, and internet. And this was before 2020. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, what that talk would be now. Um, but basically, I said, if there's no God and we just got here by chance, is your bag just is your brain just a bag of chemicals that just got thrown together? How can you trust that thinking? And a student yells, "Perfect!" and just storms out of the room. And uh, to promote that talk, I was at this. I was. They have free speech zones in St. Cloud State, so it makes me wonder about the rest of the campus. But anyhow, I they allow me at free speech zone, and I was. I've recycled the poster. I covered up the dates and the rooms and stuff, but I'll go there. But when I was, when I was uh, promoting that talk, some, a student came by and just picked it up and threw it and yelled. And then another student picked it up and brought it back to me. And I, I, I was ready for that. You know, I'd, the, the college ministry is what I spend a lot of time on. And, it, and the, they kind of flow together, creation and college ministry. And if you want to see what it's like on campus, I give a talk called Go Ye and All the Campuses. And the thing that surprised me, just shocked me, I didn't expect it at all. I, expect, I expected the ridicule, the FU Christian, all this stuff, and, and the negative stuff. But what just shocked me was it attracted people, too. I knew Jesus repelled. I knew that. But he also attracts and people come up and thank me for doing what I'm doing and buy me orange juice or cocoa or whatever. And you meet some of the neatest brothers and sisters in Christ when you're out there proclaiming the name of Jesus. And it's just been a tremendous blessing. Uh, the next time I was, uh, oh yeah, I was uh, at the community college. They have a free speech zone, but it's out in the middle of nowhere. So I went in and got, went into their lunchroom, got my lunch, sat at the table that's right by the door. You know, and it sits a little higher, so I've got a real prominent space. And, and I take, taped up my poster to my table. <laughs> it was a great conversation starter. I, so I just taped it there, and I'm eating my lunch. And a professor comes, or a woman came by, and she started making points for uh, evolution, and I was countering for creation. And I said, if you went out to your car in the parking, in the parking lot, and you pop the hood. Oh, you know what? I bet you I'm not on, am I? I'm sorry, guys. Um, okay, now it'll be on. But I said, if you, would, if you would pop the hood on your car and, and look at your engine, would you think that engine got, got, put a, got here by chance random processes? Or that evolved? I said, do you think that engine evolved? And, and she said, yeah, science has evolved to make the engine. And I said, not science. I'm talking the, the, uh, the engine. Did that get put together by chance, random processes? And with no intelligence. And she goes, no, that was, that, was evolved. That, that was intelligence and evolved. And I said, clearly, you have multiple parts working together with precision timing for a purpose. You know, clear sign of intelligence, right? And she said, yeah. Well, I said, guess what? Multiple parts working together, precision timing for a purpose.
And she ends up leaving. And then a student came up to me and she goes, do you know who you were talking to? And I said, no, no idea. And she said, that was the biggest, baddest atheist we got on campus. (laughs) And you kicked her butt. (laughs) I was texting your comments to my friends, you know. And it's not that I'm smarter than her, it's just that I'm right and she's wrong. And so, um, and speaking of multiple parts working together with precision timing, take a look at what's happening inside every cell of your body, trillions of times over. It just is amazing. Catch that? Without that, that what TATP synthesis, you're going to cease. You're going to die. You can't. You can't live without it. So my question was, well, how did we live before that evolved? Yes. And then my son saw it and said, well, where did they get the energy from? And that's a whole other talk. But we'll take a look at at the at the things that are make generating this energy. The ATP synthesis machine has many parts we recognize from human design technology. A router. A stator, a drive shaft, and other basic components of a rotary engine. The ATP synthase is one of thousands of elegantly designed molecular machines inside your cells that make your life and all known life possible. ATP synthase, an example of intelligent design. I would say that's a pretty clear example of intelligent design. And they have to look at that and say, no, it didn't. It came about by chance. Are you kidding me? That came about by chance? I mean, it's not going to work unless all the parts are there. It has to be fully formed, fully functional right from the get-go. I was at a museum one time, and I asked them, well, what what evolved first, the heart or blood cells? And they said blood cells. And I said, well, what good are blood cells without, how long do blood cells live without a heart? And they said, "Uh, uh, the heart. Well, how, what, what good is the heart without blood cells? And so I said, I'll, we'll give it to you. The heart and blood cells and all this time came together at the same time, at the same place. What good are they without lungs or a digestive system or a muscular system? Everything had to be fully formed, fully functional, right from the get-go, or we're dead. And I showed this video and a few other videos at that talk. And during Q&A, a student said, well, how do you think life came about? And I said, God made it. And he said, miracles, miracles. And he starts to storm out, miracles. You believe in miracles. And I said, hey, everybody believes in miracles. And I believe we were created by God, and you believe hydrogen and helium turn into people. They're both miracles. And that, that's what it is. I mean, when, why do I say hydrogen and helium? Because that's what they say the Big Bang produced. Hydrogen, helium, a little bit of lithium. So they believe that's going to turn into people? Well, I don't have enough faith to believe that one. And another time I was uh, promoting this talk, Evolution versus Science, and I'm at a kiosk, and uh, it's hanging above my head, and a student comes by and says, what do you mean? And I asked, what do you mean, what do you mean? And he said, how can you have have evolution versus science when evolution is science? Right? And this is where you need to define the terms, okay? 
At this, this I got a DVD back there. There's the third talk on here is at a state university, and I did not define the terms. And so a, a professor got up and got the microphone and said, thank God science has evolved or our medicine would still be back in the Stone Ages. Okay? And so that's, there is evolution that's changed over time. But that's not what I'm talking about. How can, you, how can you have, I mean, science is observation and testing. He said, you know, how can you have evolution versus science when evolution is science? And so I defined the term this time. I said, uh, what do you mean by science? And he said, like experiments in a lab. And I said, oh, this scientific method that's observable, testable, repeatable, falsifiable, that type of science. And he said, yeah. And I said, well, evolution is none of that. And he goes, well, sure it is. And I said, well, name an experiment that proves evolution. And he goes, there's lots of things. And I said, well, just name your best thing. You know, what's the best evidence for evolution? And he said, geology. And I said, well, what about geology? And he said, well, those layers of rock. And I said, well, I said, you're kidding. I said, wait, I said, the geologic column? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're kidding. You think that because there's layers of sedimentary rock that was laid down by water, that proves that we came from a rock? That could just as easily point to a flood, a worldwide flood in the days of Noah. And if you don't get anything out of this, get this part right here. Is that deer on the side of the road turning into a fossil? No, it's going to get eaten up, it's going to scavenge. Therefore, and the only way a fossil forms is if it gets buried rapidly. Therefore, any layer of rock that has a fossil in it was laid down rapidly. So that whole geologic column was laid down rapidly. And it doesn't exist anywhere in the world, by the way. It's just a mental construct. Anyhow, and so, and why did I say he believes we came from a rock? Okay. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, Kent Hoven, he was given a talk. And a professor came up to him at the end, and she was so mad. Tonight, you said, we came from a rock. We do not believe we came from a rock. He's like, calm down, calm down, calm down. He said, do you believe in evolution? And she said, yes, I do. I teach at the university. And so then he said, well, where did we come from? These are the detective questions that we're going to teach. Where did we come from? And she said, the macromolecule. He said, well, where did that come from? The prebionic soup. And he said, well, where did that come from? She said, well, it rained on the rocks for millions of years. And it slowly occurred to her that she believes she came from a rock. And that's what the textbook says. And uh, watch out for fuzzy words. I don't know if you can read that up there. It says, to the best of our knowledge, you know, that the, the, earth was too, the earth was too hot for life. And it's got three paragraphs on why it was too hot for life. And then notice how they explain how life began. Let's see. Down at the bottom there, do you see that scientific word? Can anybody read it right there? <laughs> Somehow. I got the textbook on the table there. You can see it. Somehow, despite this harsh environment, living organisms appeared 3.8 billion years ago. Somehow is not science. Somehow is a belief system. Just cross out that whole thing. But then uh, look at what it says. It rained on the rocks for millions of years. So that's what they believe. Hydrogen and helium turned into people. We came from a rock. And they don't like it put in that simple of terms, but that's what happened. And then we continue the conversation. And he goes, finally he says, and I'm asking him things, and he's realizing his, science, his position doesn't, isn't real solid. 
And he kind of desperately says, well, what makes the most sense? And I said, exactly. That you were created by God or that hydrogen and helium turn into people. And he said, you know what, I'm going to think about this. And that's a hallelujah breakdown moment. Yeah, you get an atheist who's going to think. And what does he need to think? He needs all the information. Not just what he's being spoon-fed in class and at the museums and at the media. He's got to get all the information. And if he's intellectually honest, he'll become a creationist. And there's a litany of names like Spike Pizaris and Carl Werner and Dean Kenyon and Carl Baugh and John Sanford, all these brilliant people. When they look at it and they're intellectually honest, uh, Spike Pizaris, he spoke at our Twin Cities Creation Science Association. We have a speaker come in every month, and he was one of them one time. Does Madison have a creation association? Do you guys get speakers in here? Okay, well, let's work on that. That's, let's work on that. I'm serious. That's what we're doing in the future. That's what I'm doing now. I want to get a creation club in every, in every community and a creation speaker, regional speaker, in every metropolitan area so all the communities can bring their people to it. And so the more people we get equipped with this, the less luck they'll have brainwashing us. But we brought, he came to St. Paul, and we brought him out to eat. And Spike was in the military space program for years and years and years. He went in as an atheist and an evolutionist, and he came out as a Christian and a creationist. And I said, Spike, what happened? How did that happen? And he said, well, there was a, there was a creationist there in the military space program. And I thought he was an idiot. You know, doesn't he know we can explain everything without God? And I began to challenge his foundation, and it was solid. Then he began to challenge my foundation, and it crumbled. And I said, Spike, did he ask you anything that just stopped you in your tracks? Just stopped you cold, made you stop and think? And he said, yeah. He, said, he asked me, how do you believe in the Big Bang and the laws of physics at the same time? And that's how I've learned. I, I learned to get my point across by asking questions that they can't answer. You know, how do you believe in the Big Bang and the laws of physics at the same time? Because the Big Bang has matter coming from nowhere, violating the first law of thermodynamics. And then it gets more organized over time, violating the second. And I do a whole talk that evolution versus science, there's probably six laws, Boyle's law and uh, genetics and information science and all that stuff that it violates. And, And then Spike, he became a creationist, and then he became a Christian, Becoming, he knew that evolution couldn't work, so something had to create it, and that opened the door to Jesus. Uh, this is Dr. Carl Werner. He's a real sharp guy. Got his med, medical, medical degree when he was 23. So he's sharp. And he's in the 99 percentile of his class. You know. So, uh, oh yeah. Do you guys know what you call someone who bought, graduates at the bottom of his of his med school class? A doctor. That's right. Yep. Yep, indeed. And so, Carl, he's in med school, and a classmate asks him, uh, Carl, do you believe in evolution? And he said, yeah. He said, what about the big problems with the Big Bang and the laws of physics? And he goes, oh, I didn't realize there were problems there. And he said, well, what about uh, the, the missing transitional fossils that should have been found? Yeah. And he goes, oh, I didn't realize they hadn't found them. And then he nailed them right between the eyes. He said, how does life begin if proteins don't form naturally? And it just nailed him right between the eyes. But he still believed in evolution. And so his friend said, I bet you can't prove evolution to be true. He goes, oh, you're on. And so he graduates. He gets a job in the emergency room. He gets more time, more finances. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to prove evolution true. So he's studying it out. And in science, you don't prove it true. You falsify it. 
Okay? And so his thing was, if, science, if evolution is false, the modern animals will look identical to the fossils, animals, fossil ancestors, because they hadn't evolved. They're still the same. And that's what he found. The modern ones look identical to the fossil ones. The only difference is what scientists call them. That's the, the term for them, the scientific term, two words for genus and species. The scientists don't think they're the same, even though they look identical. And he's written a whole book on it, done a video of it. I encourage people to, 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 to check that out. And you know, questions that aren't answered properly don't go away. And if you keep asking the questions, that'll point them to Jesus Christ. And I was talking with my neighbor, walking around the neighborhood. And he said, you know, my sons believe in God, but my daughter doesn't. And I said, well, ask her how life began. And he goes, she'll tell me. And I said, no, she won't. <laughs> you know, and uh, there's not a scientific paper on the planet that shows how life came from non-life. And he goes, well, she's a, she's a science teacher. And I said, good, ask her, ask her where the matter came from. And he said, well, she's biology. And I said, perfect. Ask her if she wants to be a millionaire. Because you could get a million dollars if you could prove how life originated. That was on the table for 13 years. Nobody could do it, so they took it off. Now they upped the ante. $10 million to prove how information in the genome form. And look, listen to this. The origin of life is the hardest question in science. Was that in the textbooks? No, somehow. Yeah. No one knows how the first cell came about, so nobody can do it. But there's a simpler, more fundamental question. Where did the information come from? Because the DNA is full of information, complex information. Bill Gates says it's beyond anything that they can comprehend. Because in the DNA, it's got a message forward. It's got a message backwards. They can overlap it. It's a different message. It's three-dimensional. It's folded, and it's got a different message. It's just incredibly complex. And they don't see an intelligent design there. And yet, SETI's looking for prime numbers. Oh, that's intelligence. It's just bizarre. Okay, let's see. Because when I was growing up, I'd heard about the, the Big Bang and the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve and ape-like ancestors and Noah's Ark and dinosaurs. And it didn't make any sense. You know, how do you fit that puzzle together? The answer is you don't. There are two different pictures. Separate the pieces. Some are based on God's word. Some are based on man's word. And, and then one, one, one of them's true and one of them's false. And I really enjoy helping people figure this one out. You know, some people love to hunt. Some people love to fish. I love to share this creation message. And the Bible tells us, you know, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. You could do a whole message on that. Just break that apart. You know, philosophy, lover of wisdom. You know, you got the professors. Isn't that interesting? Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And we call college teachers professors. It's pretty, uh, pretty accurate, really. Um, and empty lies, I think, is evolution. It's baseless. And you've got this, this skull on top. That could be anything, depending on who's paying you. What story do you want to present? And we'll take a look. This is a textbook. This one's, yeah, this is one's out there. It says, nearly complete skeleton. Okay, nearly complete. Can you guys picture a nearly complete skeleton? What would, how many bones would you need to have a nearly complete skeleton? We got 206 of them. If anybody, what would be nearly complete? 200? Yeah. Or 180, at least three-fourths. And that's one textbook. Here's another one. It says it's remarkably complete. Remarkably complete. So close your eyes and picture a com nearly complete or remarkably complete skeleton. And is this what you 
imagined. That's not nearly, that's 40-some bones that they glued together from fragments. That's not nearly complete. That's not remarkably complete. They are lying to our kids. Okay, and that bothers me. And it could have been any one of those. But notice that this is in the St. Louis Zoo. Notice the hands, notice the feet, notice the whites in the eye. There's no evidence for that at all. Okay, so they're just putting it in there to make people think. You know, that's our fossil ancestors. If they're ape-like, they're either apes that they try to make look human or humans that they try to look, make, um, look ape-like. Or they'll mix them together like Piltdown Man. They'll have a skull of one and a jaw of the other. And that'll be in the textbooks for 40 years. And the one that's in there now is, is Lucy. This guy, he's honest. He says, in fact, evolution has become, in a sense, a scientific religion. Almost all scientists have accepted it, and many are prepared to bend their observations to fit with it. Who would believe that? Would scientists change the evidence to fit the theory? Okay. We'll take a look at Lucy. This is a PBS documentary, In Search of Human Origins. A chimp. Okay, so it looked like a chimp, all right? Anyways, go ahead a few minutes. Yeah, so it's a chimp. The perfect thing is a chimp, but they can't, you don't get a lot of money by finding monkey bones. You know, you got to find the human ancestors to get on TV and sell T-shirts. And uh, my question is, where'd the apes come from? Nobody's looking for their ancestors. But anyhow, so he's got something that looks like a chimp, but all is not lost. Well, I hope so, (laughs) if you cut it apart and put it back the way you want it. So what we're going to help the detectives realize is that a lot of that information in the science book, if it's not observation and observable and testable, don't buy it. You know, don't buy it at all. And I spend a lot of time on campuses. I spend a lot of time talking to kids. Um, With COVID, that kind of shut it down. You guys heard of COVID-19, I take it? Yeah, Yeah, okay. So I did a lot of uh, park ministry. And what do I do in the future? Um, again, I want to, we should really get a creation association in Madison. Yes. You should really get a speaker come in every month, and then all the neighboring towns can have a creation club. And all you need is a, somebody who understands, you know, just somebody who is passionate about this. Basically, all you need is a place to show a movie. It can be a church, a school, a library, a business, a home even. We were showing our movies at the St. Cloud Public Library. And just request the room. I asked like eight years ago if I could do a room, get a room for creation when I was checking out books. And she said, no, you can't do, can't do that. And then a year ago I was looking at their schedule and you could request a room. And it's like, well, the Baha'i Faith has a room. Man, I should be able to get a room. And so we got a room. And so Saturday afternoons we were showing creation movies. And uh, just, it was just the Saturday before the speaker. So if you like the creation, hey, who wants a ride down to the speaker? 
I use I think of that as big commercials. And so if anybody's interested in that, I've got a flyer where I've contacted uh, a lot of movie producers that say we can show their movie with, without buying a license if we're not charging admission. And it's a way for them to support those ministries too. And if you like the, what I'm doing and you want to be part of it, uh, with, I'd great, I'd really enjoy your prayers. And if you want to give to the ministry, this is a thank you. These are not for sale. It's just a thank you for anybody who, who agrees with what I'm doing and wants to support it. And the reason I got this is somebody, you know, gave me some money. Said, oh, okay, how can I use it? And on here you got three talks. <laughs> um, the first one, these, there's a bunch of dinosaur talks and uh, carbon dating talks online. There's just a ton of dinosaur talks. This is different. We have enough information. What are we doing with it? So the first one is behind enemy lines. You know, what are we doing? We talk about the situation. Where are we at? How do we get here? What can we do about it? That's the mission, then executing it. Everybody can do something, even if it's just pray. And there's a lot of videos that you can... I did a, a Zoom talk for the, the association called Creation Night at the Movies, where I just showed you examples of different websites and what's available to you. And you can learn a lot of information in one minute <laughs> with some of those videos. And then the next talk is Get in the Game. And you've never heard a talk like this. Um, it's like a coach talking to his team on, at halftime. And we play Pictionary to get it to, you know. It's the, the battle's more like a game. Who's making the rules? You know, who's enforcing the rules? What are the rules? Who's changing them? And more importantly, why is our JV team joining the other team? We have to stop that. And then the last one, like I said, is a talk at a state university. The sound is a, is a little bit off, but you can understand it. But I threw it in there because how often does a creationist get a microphone at a state university, state college, with 100-some students there and four or, five, you know, four or five classes? And so I think you would enjoy that one. Um, I could have done better, but maybe next time. Uh, let's see. And with that, you know, this is why I do what I do. What's going to matter in 100 years? Are those students going to be in heaven or not? I heard our pastor talk about Jesus was moved with compassion. You know, he saw the multitude. He was moved with compassion because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And that was six years ago. And my heart just resonated for St. Cloud State. They don't have a shepherd and they're being led down the wrong path. And so... Um, God's directing my path, I believe. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the students, sometimes they just need someone to talk to. And does anybody have access or no contacts at the university here, at Madison or any college in the area? Because I would love to spend some time there. Maybe I'll just go. Oh, you do? Okay, yeah. Yeah, I would love to, even if it's just the free speech zone. You get to talk to security. Um, I've had to educate a lot of security people. Um, but anyhow, if you were to die today, where would you go? And uh, that's the most important thing. And what are you putting your faith in? And I talk to a lot of students. You know, if you were to die today, where would you go? And if God asks you, why should I let you in, what do you tell them? And that tells me what they're putting their faith in. Why would you let them in? Because I'm a fun guy. You know, one guy said that. and uh, And so... Basically, if we're looking at, if they tell me anything that they're doing to get to heaven, they haven't put their faith in what Christ did for them. They're still trying to work their way. 
And so the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'll just show you a visual way to share the gospel. Let this represent Jesus and God, and this represents you and me and the world. God loves us, wants to be with us, but we have sin. Okay, this sin, he hates, he loves us, but he hates our sin because it separates us from him. And this sin has to be paid for. And, and we can pay for our sin, and the wages of sin is death. It's not confession, it's not penance, it's not prayers, it's not, it's not giving money, it's not doing good works, there's nothing we do, there's death. Somebody's got to die for it. So God's a loving God, he wants us in heaven, but he's a just God, that sin has to be paid for, someone has to die for it. So what did he do 2,000 years ago? He sent his son Jesus to take, to take all our sin on him. Yeah. He's on the cross. That's when the love of God met the judgment of God. Yeah. And he took all our sins. He died a horrible death. And then he was buried. And then he rose three days later, proving he was God, proving there's life after death, and validating everything he said. And he basically said, if you believe that I died for your sins. It's the gospel. Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Yeah, you believe. Okay? And, uh, and then I asked the kids, what's the gospel? And when I share the gospel, I got a smaller Bible. I just show them verses. I don't want to stand in the way of the Bible in them. Because if I just tell them how to get saved and they tell someone how to get saved and they tell someone 20 times down the road, it's all messed up. But if I show them the verses on how to get saved and then they show someone else the verses on how to get saved and then 20 times down, we're still getting tuned to the same tuning fork. Okay? And so that's what I do. I show them the verses and they'll say, I'll say, well, the gospel, we need to, the gospel, we need to believe the gospel to be saved, but what's the gospel? And they'll say the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Ten Commandments. And I'll say, well, in 1 Corinthians 15, it defines the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. And then verse 3 and 4, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture and that he was buried again, the third, or that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So when they believe that, and sometimes it's like, there's got to be more. So then I'll bring them to Acts 30, 16, Acts 16, 30, and 31. The jailer says, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They could have said anything and believe. So if there's anything more than going to heaven than believing, then the, Paul and Silas lied to the jailer. Plus, Jesus lied to Nicodemus. And I have them read John three fourteen to 18. You know, as Moses was lifted up in this wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have, oh, it was eternal life before it. This one's everlasting life. And for God sent not his son into the world to get down the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yes. And then he, Jesus divides the whole world into two groups. He that believes on him is not condemned, and he that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because he hasn't believed. And so I just help them understand that. And so uh, let's close in prayer. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we do thank you so much for this opportunity to share your word and this opportunity to talk about creation. And we do pray, Lord, that uh, if there's anyone here that's never put their faith in you, if this is the first time that they understood the gospel message, uh, that uh, between them, between you and them, if there's anybody here who's put their faith, if you'd like to raise your hand, I'd like to pray for you. Okay. 
Thank you. And dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use this church in this community. Let it be a bright, shining light. And let, not only in this community, but through Facebook and around the world, that there are many people would put their faith in Christ and end up in heaven. And we ask for a spirit of boldness in this community, that you would provide for all their needs and remove anything that could distract them from doing eternal work. We do pray for Pastor Howell, that you would give him comfort, give him strength, give him healing. We pray that his body would work exactly how you designed it, with every muscle and, and uh, joint and cell and tissue, nerves working how you designed it. We do pray that you would uh, do a miracle. We thank you for your, your healing power. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.